On this episode, we're going to be talking about bunions. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday to you. My name is Connor Collins, and welcome to the Concast, a podcast where we discuss all things health, wellness, and injuries in an attempt to better understand the human body. This is episode... Oh boy, what episode is this? I think this is episode 125. Just give me one second. I just want to make sure. Episode 125 is correct in season number four. And for today's episode, I want to go back to when I first started producing the podcast. We used to spend a lot of episodes talking about injury-specific topics. And as the podcast has grown and we've started to interview more people, and in recent memory, we've kind of fallen away from that only because... Sometimes there's only so many things really in the health and wellness and injury realm that you can talk about. But I was thinking about this topic and have been for a couple of weeks and thought it would be a good topic to cover, which is bunions, because they are something that's very, very common and a lot of people struggle with them. And so if we can kind of outline what that injury is and the potential treatment interventions for that, uh, I thought it might be helpful for the audience this week. So what exactly is a bunion? We hear the term a lot. Uh, bunion is essentially a bump that forms on the inside of the big toe along the large knuckle row of the, of the foot. Uh, there are a couple of different variances to a bunion. So the most common bunion that we think of is where the bump is on the inside of that big toe. Uh, but there's also a variance of a bunion called a dorsal bunion where the bump is on the top of the big toe. And then you can also have a similar bump that forms on the outside of the baby toe. And this is called a bunionette or a tailor's bunion. And it's essentially the same type of mechanism and principles. However, it's on the other, you know, the opposite side of the foot being the, the outside of the foot or the baby toe side. Now, bunions, again, are really, really common. Depending upon the research that you read, it will discuss a number of different percentages of the population that may have them. It seems to be at least one-third of the population. Bunions are much more common in women, particularly as women get older, they seem to develop. Another common time frame for development is in adolescence. And there is such a thing as a congenital bunion where infants are born with bunions. However, this is something that is um, substantially less. Now, one of the common things that we hear a lot of the time is the genetic influences of bunions or the genetic link of bunions. And I think sometimes that's maybe a little bit misunderstood, not that bunions are passed down through specific gene types, but that I share 
for example, with my parents, a similar anatomical makeup to them because I received half my genes from my mom, half my genes from my dad. So we have similar body types. And so if you have a similar body type, you may have similar kind of foot mechanics. You may have similar forces that then go through your lower limb and your foot in a similar way. You may be of a similar weight. And what that does is that can then perpetuate the quote-unquote passing down of bunions for that reason. It's much more of a kind of an anatomical, maybe shared biomechanical relationship between your parents rather than a truly genetic variance, from my understanding. It's also quite common to see bunions on both feet. So both, you know, both great toes will start to have this bump deformity. And when we talk about the stages of bunion development, it's really broken down into four stages. First, when you have the presence of the bump, but the toe seems to be in a neutral position. So you'll have this bump that forms on the inside of your big toe, but your big toe looks like it's in the same position that it's always been in. You're not noticing that it's starting to drift, or if you want to call it deformed or use that word, you notice that left to right, it seems like it's in the right place. And as the bunion starts to develop a little bit more prominently, the great toe starts to drift laterally or moves towards your second toe in the direction of your baby toe. And so the inward drifting of the toe is what we refer to as hallux valgus, or the toe is moving into a valgus position or having valgus stress along it. And as that toe then, that great toe or big toe starts to touch the second toe, that's known as stage three of bunion formation. And then the last stage of bunion formation, stage four, is when that great toe then actually crosses either over or under the second toe. And this is really difficult to then return the big toe to its original position. The further that great toe drifts towards the second toe, the harder it is functionally for the person to to pull the toe actively back towards its resting position along with some of the the pathophysiological or the the disease changes that go on in the toe as a result of that position it can become painful as the toe starts to drift the joint capsule and the bursa bursa being just the sac of fluid on the inside of the toe joint at an area known as the metatarsal phalangeal joint where our long bone of the great toe articulates or joins with a small phalanx or a smaller toe bone forming the metatarsal phalangeal joint. You have a joint capsule around that joint, which is kind of like a, if you want to liken it to a saran wrap bag around the joint. And then you have a bursa, which is this additional sac of fluid that are responsible for just aiding in forces of sliding, gliding, stress, and strain around joints. So the capsule and the bursa start to become stressed. They can become inflamed and irritated over time. And then as we progress through the changes of the bunion, you can start to get what's called an exostosis, which is 
laying down of bone in response to the chronic stress that's on that joint. Um, this Some people refer to this also as a traction osteophyte. And so then you start to get bone laying down on the inside of that metatarsal phalangeal joint, and then that becomes substantially more painful. Now, sometimes along with the bunion, the metatarsal phalangeal joint space itself can have some osteoarthritic change, and then that can make things even a little bit more complex, depending upon whether that's kind of clinically relevant, whether the osteoarthritis within that joint is severe and thought to be perpetuating some of the symptoms or pain along with maybe some of the the disability that the person that is experiencing the bunion is going through. In terms of the diagnosing process, the majority of the time the diagnosis is made on physical exam by visualizing the foot uh, along with kind of assessing mobility. Generally speaking, as the bunion become and progresses through its stages, the first toe becomes a lot more mobile as a result of that. Additionally, there may be some x-rays that might be done just to confirm that diagnosis. But one of the things that's also important to consider when dealing with any type of foot pain, or in this case, big toe pain, is what are some other considerations that might be causing toe pain um, instead of or concurrently with the bunion. Because we have to recognize that not all bunions are painful. And so if someone has a bunion and they have toe pain, we should do a thorough kind of health history and examination to make sure that we're not missing something. Maybe there's a something else that's causing great toe or, or big toe pain that actually isn't the bunion. So when I think about some of those things myself, an injury to the low back can often refer into the big toe, for example. Um, we can also have peripheral nerve injuries. So Injuries to the superficial, peroneal, or fibular nerve can refer pain into the big toe. We could have a peripheral neuropathy that's disease-driven in the context of, say, a diabetes, um, where we're starting to get a lack of circulation or blood flow to the distal uh, limbs, particularly in the hands and in the feet. We could have something like a local injury to the toe. We could have a, a sprain. We could have a fracture. We could have a strain to one of the muscles on the inside of the foot. And then lastly, we could have an inflammatory kind of arthritic response, something like a gout. With the presence of gout, it's often uh, attacking that same kind of joint area as a bunion would form. The difference maybe between gout and a bunion is because both are quite sensitive to the touch in that area. The gouty arthritis presentation might be a little bit more visibly red, maybe more pronounced and swollen, but even in saying that, that's not always the case. Questions that I have for people that are presenting with pain there and all of these other reasons have been ruled out I'll often question them about, is, have you had gout before? Do any family members have gout? I want to have an understanding of what their kind of general health profile is. Um, do they consume a lot of alcohol? Do they 
are they cigarette smoker? What is their average body weight? Are they active? What's their stress levels like? And if there's any doubt, typically they get referred back to their family doctor and you can test the uric acid levels in the blood through blood test and then come up with a, a diagnosis. If it is in fact gout, then the course of treatment is medication and no longer does it kind of go down this avenue of bunion. Even though the person may in fact have a bunion as well, we can't necessarily say that the physical position of the big toe is what's continually driving their pain. So it's always important to try and rule out some of those other things first. So let's say we've done that. We've ruled out all other potential causes of big toe pain. The person has that drift of the big toe towards the second toe. The toe seems hypermobile. The person's getting quite exquisite tenderness on the inside of that joint, right on the bump that is formed. It's getting progressively worse over time, let's say years. And they're coming to a point where they want to do something about it because it is obviously creating quite a bit of discomfort. So the first step is really um, non-surgical interventions, and these might include things like standard medications to try and reduce inflammation, either over-the-counter medication, anti-inflammatories, or prescription anti-inflammatories. From there, typical medical inter interventions might include injections, typically corticosteroids, into the area that's sore or into that joint space, and that procedure alone can be quite uncomfortable. Um, from what I understand. Other things are centered around trying to correct the toe position along with the stress of that joint. Uh, one of the things that generally people with bunions have is they have quite a mobile flat foot compared to maybe the rest of the population. So the foot will kind of forefoot will flatten out a little bit more and be a little bit more mobile. And so can somebody, for example, go in a custom orthotic and through the redistribution of forces and maybe making the foot a little bit more stable, does that alleviate some of their symptoms? Next to that, or sometimes in the, in the same light, can they be given a toe spacer, which is just what it sounds like, maybe a piece of foam or a piece of rigid plastic that goes between the big toe and the second toe to try to reposition the big toe in reference to the second toe in a, if you want to call it a better position to try and alleviate some of the stress on the inside of that joint line and alleviate some symptoms. Along with toe spacers, there's also bunion braces that you can buy to say, wear around the house or wear at night while sleeping that are trying to do the same thing, alleviate some of the pressure at that joint in hopes to alleviate symptoms. And then lastly, but certainly not least, is generalized footwear throughout the day. Is the person wearing a very narrow boxed shoe that might be perpetuating some of their discomfort? For example, an, a narrow uh, toe box high heel is going to certainly aggravate some of the symptoms of bunion if that toe is inflamed and it's in kind of a crunchy foot box that might be perpetuating some of what they're feeling and are they willing to sacrifice that are they wearing are they willing to move to 
let's say a wider toe box dress shoe or a running shoe. And then after a couple of weeks, can you evaluate that and say, this has made my symptoms a lot better. As a manual therapist, we often get people coming in to ask questions about manual therapy and exercise to relieve kind of symptoms of, of bunion pain. And in terms of the manual therapy, my advice is really no different than any other type of injury, which is doing things to try and make people comfortable and in less pain. A lot of what I would do would be centered around that kind of whole lower limb from ankle down to foot, doing different soft tissue and joint mobilization techniques to the varying areas of the body to try and calm things down a little bit. And then following that up with exercises generally, again, of that whole lower quarter, looking at ways to maybe try and alleviate symptoms of stress and pain through the gait cycle. So can I work on very simple things like single leg stance or single leg strength? Can I provide the individual with exercises relating to foot and ankle mechanics both statically and then more dynamically. Can I get them working through different stages of gait? So heel strike and midfoot stance and toe off and allowing them to explore those ranges of motion and maybe get stronger through those ranges. And does that increase in strength reduce their symptoms? Again, we can do all of these interventions, but it might not necessarily reduce the symptoms of pain. And so after that time, if we've gone through trials of medications with the person, orthotics, toe spacers, the exercise manual therapy, and there's sort of moderate alleviation to to no alleviation at all, the person may want to pursue or get advice on a surgical intervention. There are several what are called bunionectomies or versions of osteotomies. Probably the most common, from what I understand, is the distal chevron osteotomy is a type of um, surgery where they essentially go in and they have to um, force break the metatarsal to reposition it along a essentially a straighter line to prevent that kind of outward force against that metatarsal phalangeal joint. Now, I think that the variance of the surgery also depends on how a particular person presents. I did mention earlier that osteoarthritis is sometimes accompanied by a bunion, and depending upon the stage of the osteoarthritis involved, Sometimes along with the bunionectomy, there might be a joint replacement of the metatarsal phalangeal joint, and they might have to actually put a synthetic joint in because the the joint space has kind of eroded due to the disease process over time. Now, this is usually, this surgery is usually an outpatient surgery. Again, from what I understand, not the most comfortable surgery to get, quite uncomfortable, particularly in recovery, quite painful followed by a kind of an extensive rehabilitative process, again, trying to gain back foot and ankle range of motion with some strength in that lower quarter. 
And this brings about a, a really interesting topic because, we, and we see this a lot in really a lot of injuries that go to surgery, is there's always going to be a, an extensive post-surgical rehabilitative process. And one of the things that we've seen more recently is surgeons recommending that extensive, if you want to call it prehabilitative process, before surgery, because what we found is that over say, a three to a four-month period of some focused rehabilitation, the person's symptoms either get substantially better or are alleviated completely, and then they don't want to pursue surgery any any further. By this time, if the person then decides to go into surgery, they might also come out on the other side a, a little bit more prepared for what the expectations are post-surgery and the things that they might have to go through. So they might be prepared from an exercise standpoint. They might be a little bit stronger going into surgery than they would have been if they didn't go through the prehabilitative process. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. So that's really when you look at a bunion, kind of where the process occurs. First through the recognition, diagnosis through physical exam, making sure that there isn't something else going on that could be causing big toe pain. Um, And if there is something that is suspected to rule that out along the way as well. And then starting with, as all things, least invasive interventions, non-surgical, maybe some medication or injections along with looking at all of the other potential factors that can alleviate or break the pain cycle throughout the course of the day. The other thing that I forgot to mention is things like job requirements or activity requirements. Is it something that they're doing in the day? Let's say they're a teacher or let's say they are working at a garden center and they're on their feet all day. Can you change footwear during the job, and this allows them to become completely pain-free, and it's something as simple as that. Can you look at things like how many breaks are they taking throughout the day? Can they break up their day and make sure they're putting up, you know, getting a little bit of rest on their feet? Does that help? Looking at a lot of behaviors and seeing whether just changing simple behaviors can also alleviate symptoms might be valuable also. Using exercise and manual therapy where you feel like it's appropriate as well as the person's interested in doing it. And then from there, if all other resources have been exhausted and the person is looking to pursue a surgical intervention, then going through that and then going through kind of post-surgical rehab and such. So that's, uh, that's Bunyan's, a pretty short and simple episode, but one that A couple of people have mentioned that I should uh, do an episode on because they are very, very common. And uh, if you are suffering from bunions uh, or pain due to them, rather, I would love to know in the comments if you've been doing something that has really helped or a footwear choice that you uh, might have selected that has helped alleviate your symptoms. Feel free to throw in the comments down below. As always, folks, I hope that you found this episode to be of value to you. And we will see you in the next one. Enjoy your weekend.